Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of The Atomizing Show. This is the 13th edition now, and the NFL regular season's all wrapped up. College football's all wrapped up. Congratulations to the national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. And eight head coaching spots are open now. It's been an exciting week all around the sports world. You guys know how it works at this point. We're going to jump right into it. I want to start today's show with my thoughts from the Chargers versus Raiders game, which I was very excited for on last week's episode. Sunday night football. Chargers, Raiders, Brandon Staley, you guys know what happened. Time again, everybody was rooting for. There was a lot of conflict over what happened in this game in overtime, and it purely comes down to Brandon Staley here. The Chargers are the only team in the NFL this season to have a great QB who didn't get hurt that didn't make the postseason. Justin Herbert threw for over 5,000 yards, and played great all season. Their offense is great. Wow, Brandon Staley is one of the few head coaches left around the NFL that's a defensive head coach. And that's going to be a talking point for the entire show today. Defensive versus offensive head coach and where I think the league is going. You guys are going to see me talk about it a lot. Now, Brandon Staley, no, he took the final timeout was seconds winding down in the game against the Raiders. If they would have tied in overtime, like it was making out to happen, then they would have both gone to the playoffs. Instead, Brandon Staley took a timeout on third down instead of letting the clock run out for the Raiders to sub in his defensive package. So he did that, and that's one thing. Defensive head coach. But there was other times in the game where I had problems with Brandon Staley. Like earlier, he went for it, on his own 18 on the road against an offense that has been getting better and a great kicker on his own 18 on a fourth and two. So, and I heard Jimmy Johnson talk about this a couple weeks ago and I'm going to bring it up. And he talked about risk versus reward. Now, what is your risk here? You're on your own 18. If you turn the ball over, they can immediately score. Either three points or seven points, it's going to be immediate. You're giving them points if you don't get those two yards. Now, your reward is you get two yards, you're at your own 20. You still have 80 yards to go for a touchdown. And for a team, the Chargers have only scored on a third of their drives this year. So you're taking a risk on your own 18. When your defense is 29th out of 32 in the NFL, with a defensive-minded head coach. You're taking that risk on the road for a reward that you're still going to have to drive either another 40 to 50 for a field goal or 80 for a touchdown, which you're only going to get a third of the time with the Chargers, which it doesn't get much higher in the NFL. I'm not hating on the Chargers for only getting third of the time points. It's around the average. But you have to look at risk versus reward. Brandon Staley fully mismanaged this football game. And it was a complete letdown for the Chargers to not make the postseason. I think they were the best team along with the Colts to not make the playoffs. It was a real shame that they didn't. And even after the timeout, their team, which is a huge defensive team, defensive coach, all that, couldn't make the third down hole. It was like third and four, and they couldn't hold them. Granted, they still could. They probably still would have kicked the field goal, and it still would have been up to fate, but it would have been a longer field goal. Pressure would have been more on, and it's a different scenario possibly, and the Chargers could be in the playoffs. But 
if you are the Chargers organization, the Chargers fan base, you need to be taking a hard look at Brandon Saley. He just got hired. He's going to get another year. But I don't think Brandon Saley should be real comfortable. And we'll get into the coaching odyssey later. I'm just going to be talking about the coaches who got fired. Brandon Staley's not going to be too comfortable next year if this same thing happens. Putting that out there now. Now, I want to transition over to the NFC side. Big playoff game this weekend, 49ers versus Dallas. I'm going to jump into the 49ers first. They went into the Rams last weekend. Their fans absolutely went nuts in the stadium. Even Matthew Stafford said they the Rams had to go to a silent cow in their own stadium. And Jimmy Garoppolo was able to operate as normal. That's how much San Francisco fans were there. So good on the 49ers fans. It's really good for the fan base. And the 49ers are coming back into the playoffs. Jimmy G had plenty of mistakes this past game. And people have always hated on Jimmy G. People have always seen him as a backup QB. Is not necessarily the guy. But I want you guys to remember Bill Belichick loved this guy. Kyle Shanahan said, if I can't get Tom Brady, I want Jimmy G. And Kyle Shanahan has only won 25% of his games without Jimmy G at QB. So as I tell you, Jimmy G is a success. The problem with him is he's a piece of glass. And that's part of the reason why I think he's they're going to keep both of the QBs next year and keep the QB controversy going. I think Jimmy G and Trey Lance work great together. But back to the 49ers as a whole. Jimmy G looked great uh, despite his picks. He's a great fourth quarter quarterback. He can get it done. And now Jimmy G is fighting for his life. He knows Trey Lance is supposed to be the future. But if he goes and wins a couple playoff games this postseason, it's going to be the boldest off. It's going to be the boldest move of the offseason for GM John Lynch to move on from them. So in my if we're being fair, in my credit, in my opinion, he deserves more credit. If you look at the Super Bowl, he played a great half of football and in the Super Bowl, especially more than anything, you can't just go in there and rely on your quarterback to carry you. You have to have a great team overall. Jimmy G's 6-0 against the Rams. He's Him and Kyle Shanahan seem to always have the Rams number. And for the first three quarters or so, the Rams were iffy, but they kept, I mean, the 49ers were iffy, but they kept it close the entire time and kept it within striking distance. And Jimmy G and Debo Samuel and I and all these guys were able to come in and make their plays and boost them into the playoffs. This team has a ton of fight. And on a perfect week, this team is just like so many other teams we're seeing in the NFL and this year. And people don't realize it. The Rams who sold out this year, the Packers who are selling out this year, the Bucks who sold out last year, this year, everything. 49ers also fully sold out this year. John Lynch said the next few years are our only chance. Like, this is where we're going to sell out. Jimmy G, Jimmy G, it's very low chance that he gives the 49ers four straight great weeks of football. But you can't rule out the rest of their football team because of how talented they are. I mean, those are everybody on all sides. They have a ton of talent. They can make a lot of plays. And them going into Dallas is where I'm going to get into Dallas here. Dallas is in a very interesting position. 
They are 12 and 5 overall. And when you go and look at their record, they're 6 and 0 against the NFC East this year. And they're 6 and 5 otherwise. Dallas has an extremely aggressive and hyper athletic team. Micah Parsons is all over the field. I see him at the line of scrimmage, and then magically he's making a pick 20 yards down the field or making a play, something like that. Trayvon Diggs gets QBs to bite harder than anyone else in the NFL. He plays loose, and he gets QBs to bite, and that's how he gets his 11 interceptions. But I want to ask you guys why. Why do you think he gets QBs to bite? And when you look at his 6-0 record against the NFC East, look at the QBs that he is playing. He's play, he played Heineke twice, Daniel Jones twice, Jalen Hurts once, and Gardner Minshew once. And when you're playing those four QBs, Jalen Hurts may be on the uptick. When you're playing those four QBs with how long Jalen Hurts is, Trayvon Diggs can do all that stuff. But then you go and look at his other stats, like Trayvon Diggs has allowed the most yards in the NFL this season, 962. And if you look at the other teams Dallas has beaten and their defense has done great, the only good team they have won, great QB-wise, is Justin Herbert. None of the other QBs are flashy and try to eat, beat you over the top with big plays like the great quarterbacks do. This is why they have so many turnovers, interceptions. They play an aggressive style of defense, which will get burned by other QBs heading into this postseason. It happened earlier this year. Their losses, they have five losses on the season. Brady, Mahomes, Curry, Carr, and then the outlier Bridgewater. But Bridgewater, if you look at all of his other seasons, he's thrown down the field much more this season and has been much better at throwing down the field. So they are one in four, Brady, Mahomes, Carr, Murray, loss, and then Justin Herbert, great. They are one in four against guys who will sling it. Elite quarterbacks are one in four. And what are the playoffs consisted of, especially the NFC this year? Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, with great quarterbacks. When you when Dallas is going to go in, even Jimmy G, Jimmy G has been in the league a long time. He learned from Brady. He learned from Belichick. He really knows what he's doing. When Dallas goes in and plays one of these great QBs, Trayvon Diggs with 962 yards allowed most in the NFL is going to get picked apart. Their defense has been electric this entire season, but it is a big worry for me. And I think that's going to shock some people, but look at the stats. A great quarterback is going to pick them apart. And then you go look at their offense. And I hated on their offense a little bit last week. They seem great. They have, in my opinion, a BQB, B running back. They like a C coach. Well, Half the reason they are getting all the points they do and stuff like that is they play against the NFCs. And they have scored 40 points or more five times this season. Four of those were against the NFC East, and the other was against the Falcons. I extremely worry about the Cowboys against playoff teams. And you guys are going to see when we get to my picks down at the end of the podcast how I feel about them. But we're going to go ahead and move on to another NFC team, the Packers. You guys know I got to do my weekly Packers talk. And 
we're going into the playoffs now in a great position. Rarely do teams drop all pros into their roster the week before playoffs and it work as smoothly as it is. Now we get news yesterday. Whitney Marcellus is coming back from a bicep injury. It, it's crazy what's happening. Juju coming back, potentially Whitney Marcellus. Guys are getting healthier a lot quicker. Technology's becoming better. Medicine's becoming better. And it's very impressive what some guys are doing and putting forth. Like Russell Wilson earlier this season with his hand, he came back in the minimum amount of time he could. It's very impressive for some guys. Whitney Marcellus, Jair Alexander, Zadarius, ba- Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari. Josh Myers, Billy Turner. Those are all all pros that are just getting sprinkled back into our offense, our defense. And it's just going to provide the depth. I love where the Packers are at the moment. And compared to last year, compared to the year before that, when we got to the NFC Championship, we are getting way better and surging into the playoffs this year. Aaron talked about it on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show. Energy feels high. It's going to... They're ready to make a run. Now, here's the question I hear a lot of people saying, and I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on it. What is the Packers hole? And when looking at the stats, after I've watched every Packers game, it is their yards per play run defense. It's the same thing that it was two years ago against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. We got exposed for it in the final couple weeks of the season that season. I think it could be repeating this season. Last season, we got it fixed up. Zadarius Smith was on the front line. Grant, we have Zadarius Smith coming back. If he comes in, gets those situational football plays, which I think that's how he's going to be for the first week in the divisional round. If we make it to the championship game, could be playing a lot more. But in the divisional round, I think he'll just be playing a lot of situational football, not really be out there for all the snaps like he usually is. But our... Run defense is going to be the problem again this year if the Packers have a problem. We've had trouble putting away teams this season. Easy teams. Chicago and Cleveland in Green Bay, the Packers couldn't put away. They need their knockout punch. They need to not slow down on the brakes and can't let teams crawl their way back into it and got to be able to hold on third and two, fourth and two, not give up three to four run yards every single time they run the ball it's very obvious what the hole is at the moment but it's less than it was a couple years ago not as worried as i was a couple years ago especially with whitney jair zadarius all those guys coming back it's going to make the defense so much better than it already is and i'm liking where we're going This week off is going to be huge for the Packers. They're veteran guys. They know how to handle a week off. Last year, they handled the week off great. So I expect it to happen again. And hopefully we get through and see who we're playing after this week. I want to transition to one last team that had – it's really sad that the Colts ended the Colts the way the Colts did. They got blown out against Jags. The Jags have seemed to have the Colts number since 2015. They're 7-0 against the Colts at home since 2017. Everybody else they're terrible against, but the Colts, they're killer against. And Frank Wright, the GM, everybody's coming out and not committing to Carson Wentz as their QB next year. And I just... 
I want, I'm going to come to Carson's defense here. I like Carson Wentz a lot. He's kind of like a magician. Frank Wright has been with him before. They've worked great together before. And I think Carson can fully get back to his MVP ways of 2016. He showed plenty of flashes of that full off season with the Colts. What the Colt, the Colts need to have a good enough team. Carson Wentz, there's three quarterbacks in the league that are going to go out there and straight up win you the game. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and can pick between a couple few, couple of the other few. Carson Wentz is not one of those QBs. So you need to have a good enough team, which they do, with Pittman, Taylor. They got a beast of a defense. They have a good enough team to win a Super Bowl. Carson just doesn't need to make the picks that he makes. And if you look at the QB class coming out of the draft this season, except for Kenny Pickett, it's not great. But Kenny Pickett's not going to come in and be what Carson Wentz is. The Colts are in a win-now mode. They're like the other teams I was talking about earlier. The Colts are very much in a win-now mode. So I don't think they should move on from it. Unless you have an offer to get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, there's zero reason to move on from Carson Wentz this offseason. And I'm going to move on to some guys who have already gotten moved on from this offseason. We have eight eight head coaches already fired. And usually each year it's around 7.5 that get fired. The Raiders interim head coach right now has the chance getting let go. That would count as a firing. Right now we're at eight, has the possibility to get to nine at right now, eight right now. And this is where I get back into moving away from defensive coaches in today's league. Once you look at the playoffs, we got Raiders, Bengals, Chiefs, Steelers, Bills, Patriots, 49ers, Dallas, Rams, Cardinals, all the teams. Seven out of the 10 teams are offensive-minded coach teams. We're moving away from the defensive way of things. Now, Vic Fangio was fired, defensive-minded head coach. Zimmer was defensive-minded head coach. He got stuck in his way. Him and both the GM were fired. I think Minnesota is an absolute great team, and if they go in there with the right head coach, they could be in the playoffs next year. I'm very happy personally that Nagy and Pace got fired, even though it's the Bears. That Nagy and Pace were dead. They weren't good for the franchise. Finally, the Bears get to move on, hopefully find their replacement. You guys got to remember when GMs and coaches are both fired and the Vikings and the Bears situation, give them a year for one. But for two, a coach cannot even get hired until those teams have a GM hired because it's the GM's job to hire a coach. So you, you got to have some leeway there. But both the Vikings and the Bears have great opportunities here. I think the Vikings are the most enticing team around the whole NFL to go to this offseason if I was a coach, just because how great their roster is. My Minnesota has a great roster. It's talented. And except for Kirk Cousins with his contract, they're not screwed on cap space, and there's plenty of stuff you could do there. <laughs> now, one of the other big firings from – this week was Flores. Brian Flores was fired from the Miami Dolphins. 
And Miami is now turning into a joke of a franchise. I'm fully shocked by this firing, except for that it came out of Miami. When I started this podcast, I was talking about Miami, the life around Miami, how much reporting there is. And it's kind of a different football team than there is in some other areas, like Patriot, just for example, the Patriots. I know how good of a system they have, but just as an example. It's a different culture, different environment. And now Miami's sinking farther. And in my opinion, this is the best thing that could have happened for Brian Flores. He was never going to become a great coach with Tua, and he was stuck with him. I personally want it. Like when he Tua came out, I was all over Tua. Also, I didn't know how to evaluate quarterbacks that much then. I was all over Tua. And when they drafted Tua, Flores, there were reports came out about this. Flores wanted Justin Herbert. And the GM who could keep screwing things up for Miami went against him. Chris Gier, Chris Greer, the GM, took Tua, not Flores. Then I went, after I found out it was Chris Greer, I went and looked at Chris Greer's resume. From 2007 to 2015, he was messing up the scouting department for the Dolphins. He was the lead scouting director for the Dolphins for upcoming college players. And for the last five years, he has been messing up the whole franchise at general manager. Back-to-back winning seasons Brian Flores had with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua as his quarterbacks. And now Brian Flores has all the options in the world. And that's why this is great for Brian Flores. He should go. He should take a month long vacation, go to a beach somewhere. He needs to be patient and he's going to find a great spot for him. How he might be in, he might end up in Minnesota. And I would, as a Packers fan, Brian Flores ends up in Minnesota. I'm worried. And Flores will be one of the best coaches in the NFL in the next two to three years. Mark my words. In the last two years, he's won 19 games. Only nine teams have a higher win percentage than the Dolphins over the last two seasons. Win percentage 0.576. And he's definitely just not going to be out of coaching for long. This is a great opportunity for him to upgrade himself. And my he... Miami has been obviously mismanaged, but I promise you other teams are going to look at what Flores did and want him immediately. And everybody that looks at NFL on a serious note, the Miami Dolphins are turning into a joke. Things need to turn around for them. There was no reason for Brian Flores to be fired. That was the one highlight the streak that they went on at the end of the season, that 10-game streak, they went 9-1, and one, barely missed the postseason with Tua. Uh, remember what the Dolphins GM put Tua through earlier this season uh, and all through the offseason. Kept, stuff kept getting sprinkled about, oh, maybe we'll get Deshaun Watson. And that played into the media I was talking about in Miami. Stuff get, kept getting sprinkled in there. Oh, we might trade for Deshaun Watson. We're interested in Deshaun Watson. And Tua's confidence got tanked. They ended up going like one and seven. Finally, they say, we're not trading for him. Look what happens. They went on like a nine and one streak. I think they were like one and six. They went on a nine and one streak. They did great. Flores is fired. 
and they're going to sink farther. Everybody should want to get out of Miami immediately. They're on the downwards. Some other teams are on the upwards. We'll see where we're going. Pete Carroll is also, I expect to be fired. I hope Pete Carroll is fired from the Seahawks. They need to keep Russ over Pete. Pete has been stuck in his ways for so long. He's one of those defensive minded head coaches. It worked for a couple years. Then they sold everything out and they've been struggling with cap for years. Haven't gotten the playmakers they wanted. He's taken the ball away from Russ. They need to keep Russ and let Pete Carroll walk. And the other, there's two other head coaches that got fired. One of the other big ones, Joe Judge. I'm going to start with this. What he did for his colleagues, he bought, if you guys didn't see, Joe Judge, after he and basically all of his coaching staff got fired, he bought a ton of pizza, bought a ton of beer, invited everybody over to his house, and they had a little get together and they had a good time. Guys are going to remember that. That speaks a lot about Joe Judge's character. And if you remember when Joe Judge got up there for the first time ever for his press conference, he was a very well-spoken guy. And no one had ever heard of him, but they were like, wow, Joe Judge can speak well. He seems like a good guy. And now getting into his actual resume, it has been an actual absolute clown show for the New York Giants. It was his way or the highway. And the Giants are an absolutely historical franchise. They're great. And in the last six years, they have been a complete coaching carousel. It's great that David Gettleman got fired so they can have a new guy. This can be another one of those things where they have to hire a GM before they can hire a coach. And they Giants have always been great. This is not good for their franchise. Judge as a new head coach, was in over his head coming into the New York Giants. And that's not a knock against Joe Judge. He was a new head coach, and I fully believe Joe Judge could be a good head coach in other scenarios. He needs to go back to the Patriots or go to another team, be a defensive coordinator for a year, be an offense, whatever, and evaluate himself. What did I do wrong? What are these guys doing right? And that'll change a lot for Judge. And their front, New York Giants front office needs to stop screwing up. You, a lot of people don't know this. The New York Giants are already over on cap space for next season. Now, some other teams are. The Packers are. I believe the Titans are. Cardinals are. Rams are. They're all in the playoffs except for the Saints. Saints were right there at it. Giants were a train wreck this season, and somehow Dave Gettleman messed them up so bad that they have no money to spend. How is that possible? It should help with the firing of Gettleman, but this is nothing but chaos at this point, and it's gotten a fight fight with an offensive line coach. They have the worst O-line in the league. Joe Judge was in over his head and was a complete clown show this season. It was just not good. And then the last head coach to be fired, David Culley. This is one of the other ones that I fully do not understand. Last season with Deshaun Watson, the Texans were 4-12. and Deshaun Watson played great ball. They had J.J. Watt. They had a way better team than this year. And David Culley comes in this year. He potentially finds the Texans, their future QB in Davis Mills. They 
David Coley grinded the whole year. The Texans kept putting up fight for David Coley. And it's only been one year. How are you just going to keep continuously? The Texans are turning into a worse joke than the Dolphins are turning into. Jack Easterby, joke. Firing of David Kelly, Coley, joke. It's terrible. Handling of all the situations with J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, joke. It's been very bad for the Texans, and it's just going to keep getting worse. If you can't even keep a coach for one year after he does bad but shows you improvement, there's nothing you can do. Like, it's over. And so this, I'm going to get my playoff predictions for this wild card round. We have six games or five games, I believe, say five or six games, six games that are coming up this weekend. I'm going to have straight up predictions and my thoughts for all the games. And then I'll give you guys my lines of the week. We're starting off Raiders at Bengals. I think this is going to be a very close game. The Raiders have been a team this entire year that has been fighting. John Gruden happened. Henry Ruggs happened. They get the interim head coach, all this controversy. Everything's going on. And they somehow jumped into the postseason. So don't expect the Raiders to go down easy. But They have been magical this year. And my thing here, Burrow is the better QB. He's ascending right now. The Bengals have the better team overall. And the Raiders have been magical this entire year. Magic can't keep up forever, especially with the type of tight games the Raiders have been playing. So my opinion, it's going to be close. But I see the Bengals will win it. If I was betting money line, Bengals money line. Next game up on the schedule, Patriots at Bills. Now, this game, I, I've been going back and forth this entire week because I've been watching the weather. And now it's looking like in Buffalo, it's going to be between zero and eight degrees. It's going to be a clear day, no clouds, possibly when. We don't know much about when yet. And either way, we know New England can't throw down the field and they need the weather is going to be for anyone wanting to bet this game. You need to watch the weather and what is happening right up until uh, game time. This game is going to come down to takeaways and how far Josh Allen can throw. If New England forces turnovers and Josh Allen is in a crazy cold environment and can't throw the ball far, New England's going to win. They've done that all season. Straight up, I'm leaning towards the Bills, but the entire week I've been going more towards the Patriots and my pick for the spread will resemble, resemble that. The Bills have the best defense overall in the NFL it, and and they – they didn't even have a single pro bowler. I was watching an interview the other day with their best corner. And honestly, that whole deal fe- defense feels spited and snubbed. It's going to be a war. Bill Belichick, it's the same way with Saban seeing a three teams, th- team three, so- three times. Saban may have lost this past week against Georgia, seeing them the third time. But majority of time when Saban or Bill Belichick see a team for a third time, they're going to win that game. So it's really interesting. Straight up, Bills are at home. I'm going to be a smart picker and pick the Bills. 
with my spreads of the week, I will not be siding with the Bills, but money line, I would take the Bills. Eagles at Bucks is the next game up. A lot of things have been coming out of Tampa Bay this week. Oh, they're not, their heads aren't screwed fully on straight. The whole AB situation just happened. There's been controversy there all season. So people are like looking at the Eagles like, oh, maybe. No, absolutely not. Jalen Hurts will not go into Tampa and beat Tom Brady. Tom Brady will at least win the first round. Would not bet a single, not not a thing against it. Bucks, money line, without a doubt. Next game, I went on a big rant about the 49ers and Cowboys earlier on the podcast. Straight up, I'm taking the 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to come in and expose Dallas for what they really are. Dallas has a a ton of pressure on them, in my opinion. McCarthy needs to win a playoff game, and Dak has only put up big numbers against bad teams. People are expecting them to win, and the 49ers are going to come in and uppercut them in Jerry World. They're going to pound the football down their throats with their running game, with their trick plays. And Trayvon Diggs, Michael Parsons, that defense isn't going to, they might be hyper-athletic. They might be all this stuff. They're hyper-athletic against teams that don't know what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to pound the football down their throats, and the 49ers are going to win this game straight up. Steelers at Chiefs is the next game for the weekend. Chiefs is going to have to be my pick here. Steelers are lucky to even be here at the moment. And like I've said throughout this whole show, they have a defensive-minded head coach. We're moving to offensive-minded head coaches in today's league. And I will say, after I saw what Big Ben said the other day, he had an interview, and he was like, yeah, man, we're expected to lose by 20 points. So I don't really care. Like, I'm just we're just going to go in there, play football, have a good time. It'll be great. And, like, yeah, some people look at that, and they're like, what? But let me... Who is the most dangerous man to fight? A man who doesn't have anything to lose. And that's why I think it's a little scary. That's why my spreads of the week will show this. What Ben said this last week, he described the Pittsburgh Steelers as a man who has nothing to lose. That's a scary fight to have. They'll keep it close. Chiefs are going to win. They're expected to be a ball game. And last game of Super Wild Card Weekend, they added this game Monday Night Football. I'm super excited. Manning Cast will be on Monday Night Football, too. That is going to be a great time for playoff football. Cardinals at Rams. Straight up. I think I'm going to have to take the Rams here. The Cardinals have been kind of on a downward motion. Rams have been like plateauing as of late. Cardinals have been going down. Matthew Stafford is the best second half and fourth quarter QB this year in the NFL, and that's what I love. The Rams have a good enough team to keep the game close until the second half. It'll be within two scores. Matthew Stafford is the best in the second half and the fourth quarter. He'll come out and win you that game. There are playmakers that get paid all this money. It's their job to go out there and keep the game close. With the Cardinals turning downwards, I got to take the Rams straight up. Now, moving over into my picks of the week. Last week, week 18, had another week going 4-1 and one above 500. I don't think I've gone below 500 in 
want to say like eight or nine weeks now. It's been a really good time. If you're betting with the at, at the Adam Eisen show, it's probably been good for you as well. Starting off with game one, San Francisco at Dallas. I was just talking to you guys about this. San Francisco is going to win it straight up. So it's a no brainer. San Francisco plus three. New England at Buffalo. Weather is going to be terrible. If the weather's terrible, Josh Allen's not going to be able to throw it down the field. New England's going to get turnovers. Bills might win, but New England's going to keep it close. New England plus four. Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals trending downwards. Rams plateauing. Best second half and fourth quarter QB. Got to take Rams minus four. Eagles at Bucks. Everybody talking bad about the Bucks. Tom Brady is going to eat that up like a sandwich and going to spit out nine points over the Eagles. So Bucks minus eight and a half Raiders at Bengals. This was one of my hardest games to pick. I honestly still don't have a pick for it. I'm about to just say it. Bengals are favored by six. And I think I got to go with Raiders plus six here. Kind of surprised that I'm doing that, but might as well. And Steelers at Chiefs. I would look at this game all week. This it was a hard game for me. And then I was looking at it the other night and my eyes just kept going to the Steelers. And I heard Ben say what he said. And I think the Steelers are going to keep it close. So we got, I picked all six games for the spreads, all six games, money lines. We got for the picks of the week, San Francisco plus three, New England plus four, Rams minus four, Bucks minus eight and a half, Raiders plus six, Steelers plus 12 and a half. Ooh, I am really in debate about that Raiders game. Actually, scratch it. I'm changing the, my Raiders game to Bengals minus six. So San Francisco plus three, New England plus four, Rams minus four, Bucks minus eight and a half, Bengals minus six with that great offense they have. They deserve a big win in Cincinnati and Steelers plus 12 and a half. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another edition of The Adam Eisen Show. Be sure to head over and check out the show's Instagram before next week's episode 14. Thanks. Thanks.